1: Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in
0: theater. That's why to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted.
2: So what's going on? Oh, not much, you know, just, uh, COVID and elections and, you know, America's kind of going in the shitter. (laughs) I don't even
3: know what you're talking about.
2: How's life up in Canada, Doug?
4: It's pretty good.
2: You got all the COVIDs (laughs) up there too?
4: Yeah, we're having our second wave right now, so.
3: Yeah. Is it? second wave, that's adorable, we're like on our fifth
4: that's <laughs> not, that is absolutely not true, you guys have not gotten out of your first wave yet
2: that's true, <laughs> well, if you look at it statistically <laughs> we're riding that son of a bitch as long as we can <laughs> is it uh, screwing up a bunch of your businesses? Uh, is Tom Horton still open or is it gone?
4: oh, it's going strong <laughs> don't worry, drive throughs have not been shut down this entire time, so
3: They haven't here either, but we don't have anything good to drive through, so it doesn't matter.
2: No. There's still like a billion people at Chick-fil-A every day. Gross. Yeah. We just got a Chick fil A for the first time, like last summer maybe, and I don't know, I've eaten it I've eaten at one once and it's it's good and all, but I don't know. It's it's not worth the line to get, you know, a a Bible filled chicken sandwich. <laughs>
3: So is it good enough to hate gay people though? <laughs> I don't know if it's that good
4: I have no comments on Chick-fil-A uh,
3: You don't have Chick-fil-A, do you? Uh,
4: there are some in Canada, but not anywhere near me
3: You don't really eat fast food, do you?
2: Me? I try not to yeah. I'm not a big fan of it I'm on this new thing where I don't like going to any restaurant or store that can't spell their business name with real words. Oh. Okay. That's like,
4: of like what? to take.
2: <laughs> I don't know. It's just lazy. Like, there's a gas station that's over in Bloomington when we go there. That's, it's called Quick and Easy, but it's spelled Q-I-K-N-E-Z. And out of principle, there's just so many things wrong with that. I just don't want to go there.
4: But you understand that they know how to spell the words and that they think it's clever marketing, right? It's not
2: I, I'm not convinced of this. I mean
4: <laughs> they just placed that order the order for that sign over the phone and the guy didn't
2: just, yeah, I mean, just write it down however you think. It's right next door to a place called Hucks, which you know has Huck Finn on the cover or on the sign, so I don't know, maybe they're all just a bunch of like dumb inbred people who don't know how to spell. <laughs> It's all right. They don't want you in there anyway. That's fine. We don't like you in here with all that book words. I'll go to my freedom gas station. America.
4: Quite the country you guys have going on down there.
2: Yeah, it's something.
4: I can't go to work tomorrow because my kid had a tummy ache today. and He's not allowed back at school until he has no tummy aches for 24 straight hours.
2: (sighs) Is that how it's spelled on the CDC website? Is tummy ache? I believe so.
3: Yeah. So like, they're like, Doug, you could probably come back to work. And he just punches him right in the stomach. (laughs) Sorry. My kids got stomachache. I gotta stay home.
4: Tummy ache. (laughs) Oh, we we just got noticed too, that it looks like we'll probably be working from home until at least the beginning of next summer. So. Like, at that point, it's like, are you ever going to bring us back to the office? I don't think you're going to.
3: Yeah, I took a nap at like one o'clock today. Yeah. (laughs) Great. I think I could get used to this not having a job thing.
2: Yeah. I think I'd enjoy it. I know some Uh, people who like it. uh, Until the bills start coming in.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, okay. Yeah, but I just suck on that government teat right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's taxes are paying for me.
4: Delicious.
3: <laughs> uh, no, it's kind of driving me nuts.
4: Yeah. Are you on, like, unemployment? Is that what's going on? Yeah. Do you have something like that there? Yeah. yeah. See, I don't... There's nothing wrong with that, because it means you've been paying into that system, like, your whole life. Yeah. So that's what it's there for right it's basically an insurance policy you don't feel guilty if your car gets hit and you call your insurance company
3: yeah i still feel guilty for some reason i don't know why this is the first time i've ever taken unemployment in my entire life but yeah. for some reason i'm just like i don't know people just send me money i don't i feel like i should be doing something for it uh i don't know i guess should we should we should we actually do something
2: yeah, how's all this format work now? I haven't been on the uh, Skype and the... There's no format.
3: Listen to this, a
2: this format. This, this might
4: be the show, we don't know.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, this part's like, being left in,
4: I'm sure. I, I don't, I never know what I'm saying. I have to be cautious at the beginning of every week, because I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to say something that I don't want on mic. <laughs> it's just...
3: <laughs> you can invoke the... Uh... The journalism rule, where if you say something's off the record, I could uh, I'll take it out. You know, if, if I, I remember,
2: uh, Brian, I edited this show for I don't know how many years, and we always say that we would do that, but you know, I always knew that not only does that require a lot of work to go back and edit things out, but also Doug's never going to listen to the show. So it
4: that is that is not true. I listen every, <laughs> every week. He I, does listen. Absolutely, nobody likes my jokes as much as I do. So I listen every week and I love it every week. It's it's not healthy. It's it's really problematic. And I'm sure psychiatrists have a word for the fact that I enjoy listening to myself talk. But
2: you got your earbuds in at work and you're just like cracking up to yourself. And somebody's like, what are you listening to? It's like, I'm hilarious.
4: You have no idea how many times it's happened where I've laughed at something I said on a podcast. And then somebody's like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, I can't tell them.
2: I can't. I, can't. I just can't
1: uh Uh, does does
2: the show have any listeners now do you got does anybody else think you're
3: no no we
4: have no we hemorrhaged
3: listeners pretty quickly the
2: only one we had left was
4: eric and he's gonna be super pissed that you're back scott because he (laughs) just called in a couple of weeks ago to rant about you
3: yeah yeah if you're listening to this you're not listening to an old episode that voice may sound familiar Uh, what's up guys since noah took the week off to go on a honeymoon which has turned into a we're just gonna stay at home honeymoon
4: <laughs> his honeymoon is quarantining from COVID. i think is technically what's happening it's yeah. it's a honey teen
1: yeah
3: yeah so so we enlisted our old buddy scott to come back on the show this is- we've, had, we've had people uh in the past uh Say that they're not going to listen anymore until you come back. So maybe those people will come back now. I huh.
4: do. I just like that we've gone full circle. Scott started a podcast and got all these old washed up podcasters to join him. And now, years <laughs> later, we're bringing old washed up Scott back for our show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel dirty and used. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh... Good times. All um, right. Well, you know, I was listening, I actually did listen to the last episode or uh oh, oh, as much as I could considering it was, you know, damn near four hours long. Um <laughs> two hours and forty-five minutes. So Jesus Christ, Brian. It was a very special more. episode.
3: Episode one fifty. Hundred and fifty <laughs> episodes of us talking about bullshit.
2: Yeah, and I mean I was listening to that thinking, like, man, these are these are good movies. I, I would have liked to have Watched these and talked about them on a podcast. Oh, no.
3: See so you, <laughs> you came on episode one fifty one. All that no. specialness is gone now.
2: <laughs> wah wah.
3: <laughs> no, instead we're talking about Paul W. S. Anderson movies, which is uh quite a drop from, from last week. I,
4: I think I think we're gonna have disagreements about these movies.
3: Well, I don't think we are. But he's oh. known for being, <laughs> he, he's he's known for being a very schlocky director.
4: Oh yeah, definitely a lot of Like I like the newer Resident Evil films and stuff like I don't even watch them because they're just not for me anymore. And you can see, you can see like it's almost a George Lucas situation where you can see the problems arising in these films. But whether it's budget or just access to technology or whatever, he wasn't able to do all the stuff he wanted to do in these movies. So they're a lot more restrained than the newer ones. Yeah. And then once he started making money at the box office, then he would just go full crazy, and it's like I don't
3: want to see that. Uh, well, let's jump into it. Uh, Doug, do you wanna do you wanna give us a rundown of Soldier? Since uh, I know you're a big Kurt Russell fan.
4: Everybody's a big Kurt Russell fan, don't they? That's, I that's a know. true statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Starting in 1996, The Distant Future of 1996. They start. First Order style, they're snatching up babies to just train them from birth to be the best soldiers they can be.
2: No, no, um, no, no, no. They're, they're not training them to be soldiers. They're training them to watch dogs and pigs fight and to climb chains in front of Gary Busey.
4: That's thats how you be a soldier. It's the future. You, you forgot it's the future.
2: Right. Okay. So that's True. how you
4: be a soldier in the future.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let's be
4: honest, if you're there, you can climb a chain to get away from Gary Busey too. <laughs> Anyways, so after uh, the second generation of soldiers basically comes along after this first generation has been uh, doing very well in battle for many
2: years, because they're
4: the better at climbing chains. chains. They know. are much, they are well, they're faster at it, and they, it's this. That's the very first example of Paul W. S. Anderson's <laughs> filmmaking problems shining through, because they do not look even remotely like human beings climbing when they do it. They just <laughs> kind of fly up on a wire beside the chain and. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, putting that aside, um, so basically, Correct. they throw Kurt Russell in the garbage, who is one of the first round
1: soldiers, <laughs> which is
4: just problematic to say the least. But luckily, there's a whole society of people living amongst the garbage, and he befriends them all. And then, for reasons, <laughs> he has
3: friends with the garbage <laughs> people.
4: Yeah, well, he well he he is a garbage person now because they threw him in the garbage. I guess That's true. So.
3: But Chickles is there. Chickless is never a garbage person. How dare they?
4: Um, yeah, anyways, so he after he's friends with them for a while, then for reasons that are not entirely clear to me, the super soldiers, like the most badass soldiers in the world, are gone to check out the garbage planet and they're given instructions to kill anyone who's there because it's that's what you do in the future
3: you uh, go to plot school. reasons
4: yeah like, like it's it's sort of lunacy but then the last half hour of the movie is kind of just commando in space with kurt russell having to kill all of the new super soldiers because of how he wants to protect his new friends the garbage people
2: what, well you saying? forget about the fact that um he he Went to the garbage planet, which, by the way, I think the only garbage they throw away on this planet is machines that cause things to move in slow motion, because that was a <laughs> full effect there on the planet. But he befriends the people, and then they're all nice to him, and they're giving him a lot of food, and then he gets really mad because somebody makes him a scarf, so they kick him out. But then immediately they're like, just kidding, that was dumb, we want you to be our yeah. friend again. Yeah. You've never had a
3: friendship like that?
2: I've never gotten a scarf that I hate that much.
3: Well, Merry Christmas.
4: (laughs) (laughs) We'll find one. (laughs) So, okay, in the interest of fairness to the movie, because we're all having fun with it, but the whole idea is supposed to be that he is, for the first time in his life, surrounded by people who see him as something other than a soldier. And instead, when they try to present him with this gift, he reacts in a very soldier-like way, basically. He's, he sees something approaching, immediately assumes it's a threat, and tries to extinguish the threat by killing Michael Chicklis in a giant machine. Yeah.
3: You never try to kill Chicklis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, so anyways. a really ugly sweater. Her scarf.
4: So I don't think the scarf is meant to be the problem. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be the 40 years of training to kill everything you see that's meant to be identified as the problem.
2: Well, like like Brian said, we're, we're here to differ, you know, and disagree. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so I'm getting the impression, Scott, will let you go first here? You did, you clearly didn't seem to enjoy this movie very much?
2: No, I wouldn't go that uh I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that at all um I, I had never seen this before this is the first time for me um i wasn't expecting too much from space sci-fi late 90s action movie um uh, but I, I think like yeah it was basically a, a really ludicrous concept but who gives a shit it's an action movie and I think that the, you know, the things that it did really, really well is it had just an awesome, um, like set design, like the, that kind of sci-fi nerd in me got all, you know, excited when you see this garbage planet full of like really cool, um, I don't know, heaps of trash. And there was like the wrought iron cemetery. And I I don't know, it just had that kind of bleak, weird post-apocalyptic world that I thought was really cool. Um, Obviously, Kurt Russell is awesome. It would, it would have been neat if he had more than three lines of dialogue, but um, he has a,
3: he has a, says 104 words in this
2: movie. Oh, uh, wow. all right. Um, were you were you counting? Uh, it's on IMDb. Okay.
4: <laughs> Brian does a lot of fact checking now. That's oh. that's what you've, that's what's changed in the
2: three years. <laughs> uh, 150 episodes later. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the set design was, was really cool. And I like that, you know, at the end of the movie, it turns into, you know, I I, I wouldn't use the exact analogy that Doug made, but I, I was going to call it first blood in space. But, um, yeah, when it's basically like, let's just kill every single soldier that came here, because why the fuck not? I have a gun and I'm on a planet. So, it's... <laughs> the logic is sound in my opinion but
3: it's interesting because originally uh the the director of first blood and stallone were going to be in this movie
2: Huh? yeah i maybe they wrote the script first and uh anderson got a hold of it but yeah i mean it's it's a silly kind of movie with very little plot but like i said most action movies from i mean i think more action movies from the 80s are like that i can't think of too many 90s action movies i've seen but it it fits right in there so yeah shut your brain off and just have fun it's i don't feel like it needed to be as long as it was because i think the entire first half really meant nothing but if you're willing to sit through some slow motion love montages with clips from the you know first half an hour of the movie then you know, to get, to get to the action, then okay. Yeah,
4: the pacing is a little weird because it's like all the stuff about up to the point where he like gets thrown in the garbage is literally the first like less than 20 minutes, I think. Yeah. Like you went through this guy's whole life. You showed like clips of him at like age, like at birth, at age like 5, 8, 12. Then like you jumped to like 18 or something. And then 38 is when he's finally been trained well enough to become Kurt Russell. And then at 40 or something like that is when. <laughs> All of a sudden, these new troops come in, and it's like, you just, you ran right through that real quick, and then, I I guess because they're trying to set this up as kind of a a more of a dramatic movie, you get all that, and then you get a good solid, like, 40 minutes of him living amongst the garbage people, and you're like, it's kind of weird, because you're like, well, if you're going to spend that much time there, shouldn't we be getting to know more of the garbage people, and shouldn't we be given more of a backstory of how they all got there and stuff?
2: But they're like, yeah, Yeah, we're just going to hang out. There could have been three really fun, good movies here. To, uh, maybe not all fun. Uh, three good movies here. If you he <laughs> would have focused on one of one of them in particular, like I think his origin story or the whole, you know, coming of age, you know, becoming a soldier, tie him to the wheel of pain kind of thing, like would have been a cool film in and of itself. And then, if you want the kind of more drama, sappy, li- watch him live among the the dirt people then that's fine like that could be a movie too i don't know if i would have signed up for that episode but okay and then yeah the, the you know the action movie at the end like those are all three good stories but they they didn't really you got too much of the second one not enough of the first one and the third one was fine but it's like by that point i kind of knew that i wasn't really too invent- i enjoyed it nonetheless did the podcast die? There we go. Oh,
4: okay.
2: I, heard, uh, <laughs> I was wondering
4: where everyone went. So think, we, uh,
2: so we still have awkward silences after all this time.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, no, it. I like. I completely lost both of you for a little bit, but sounds like it's back now. Okay. Fucking Skype. So sounds like Scott enjoyed it. Doug. I think sounds like you are a fan of this movie
4: i i enjoyed it more than i expected to to be honest i thought like i definitely thought the action stuff at the end was super fun um i agree with scott that i I like the i like the garbage planet it's a cool setting to have your movie on it's kind of uh, i really like the look of it i like that all the stuff looked like it was built out of old like planes and Chips and stuff that had crashed there or been dumped there Thought they, they did a good job with that did just enough they did enough world building where you're like oh look they've built this spot where they have like a greenhouse where they grow food and all this other kind of stuff and i like that the silliness with having the snakes was maybe
1: oh yeah the
2: snakes
3: <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't understand that whole situation
2: so th- th- so that brings up a, a point of i don't understand the ecology of the garbage planet at all because you've got these bright green neon snakes which would only be camouflaged or hidden in like the amazon rainforest but instead they're on a desert garbage planet which also desert garbage planet with like dry cracked soil uh apparently has enough rain that it'll rain for 20 minutes at the end of the movie and flood out canals and require people to like swim uh it's like what were the, did they switch planets at some point
4: well they definitely established that there's extreme weather patterns on the planet and maybe they, i assumed that's why it's being used as a garbage dump rather than being inhabited by people hmm. because there's all the big wind storms and stuff that pop up too
3: right yeah scott
2: yeah i mean i have, I, I get have you ever
3: been to another planet
2: wind and dirty and dry and i get that but then like there was literally a scene where you see like cracked desert soil and then the next scene kurt russell's running through a a field and then like dives into some lake like it's i, I didn't understand but i'm no biologist yeah,
4: me neither so i just took it as it's an alien planet things are weird here
2: <laughs>
4: that's I mean, that's, I think Please that's the, the level best. of thought that this movie invokes in me. Is just like... Yeah, it's just... On this planet, there's green snakes, and it rains once in a while, but not that often. Okay. That's how it is.
2: The side effect of the slow-motion machines.
1: Yeah.
4: The funny thing about it is, uh, I think the one thing we all seem to agree on is that the, the sets and stuff were cool. I don't think the director actually liked them, because he's... He, uh, i read online that he, like, wasn't happy with where they had to shoot because of actual weather problems that prevented them from doing
3: yeah. their uh, Well they had like shirts. actual locations like scouted and stuff and then uh they pushed the movie by like 18 months because Kurt Russell wanted to get super buff so that actually helps tie into the next movie too because they put the movie off for like 18 months and he went and made Event Horizon Yeah. and Russell worked out apparently three to four hours a day for an entire 18 months.
4: Well, and it shows he's in, he's much oh, yeah. bulkier in this than he is in anything else.
3: So then by it the time they were ready, for the character. Yeah. So then by the time they were ready to shoot, apparently El Nino caused all sorts of weather issues. So they had to shoot on sound stages.
4: Yeah. I don't I think it worked really well. That's, that's my take on it.
3: Yeah, it's all right. Um so was this was a first time watch
2: for you? Uh was for me. Was it you, Doug?
4: Uh it's I saw it once when it was new. Oh okay. And I saw it now. So basically I remembered the first fifteen minutes of the movie, but I thought that was the whole movie. I thought the whole movie was like him training, becoming a soldier. The new soldier comes in, beats him, and then he has to come back and beat the new soldier again and i assumed they would be like exposing some corruption or something when he did that but i didn't i had no idea there was garbage people in this movie i couldn't even remember any of that
3: uh first time watch for me as well um i enjoyed it i thought it was pretty good um i was not expecting much out of it i don't even know what i thought this movie was about because for some reason i've always avoided it and i don't know why but it's
2: it's got that like 90s artwork cover that feels like it needs to be in the $5 Walmart bin. Yeah. So I probably I saw this at blockbuster like many times and just completely passed it over.
3: Yeah. Probably the same, but yeah. I don't know. thought it was good. Uh, it definitely has some uh, budgetary issues. You get some of the nineties CGI, which we'll get a lot more of in the next
4: movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it didn't like bother me because it, there was nothing that was terribly over the top i mean the the snakes were real the tanks and things like that were real so i mean other than the spaceships flying around which this isn't despite the fact that it's on a you know alien planet it's not a space movie like the ships come and then drop some people off or dump out a kurt russell or two and then fly away but you know it's it's pretty Restrained. I don't I didn't notice any like bad CG that really stood out to me.
3: Uh the the main part of it comes at the end when the uh I guess spoiler, the the planet explodes. Uh
4: but
1: yeah.
3: other than that, it's not too bad. The next movie we'll be talking we'll be talking more about some CGI that didn't hold up from the nineties. But yeah, the uh, the final battle between Kurt Russell and whatever the super soldier is. Yeah. Reminded me heavily of the final battle during Cyborg that we covered a while back. Just always in the rain and then people just punching each other.
4: Yeah. Well, the I thought the fight choreography lacked a little bit, especially considering who they had doing it, right? Like it's yeah. Kurt Russell and Jason Scott Lee and you're like both those guys can do good fight scenes we know that like it's i don't understand why it wasn't better but probably probably budgetary constraints maybe some constraints of kurt russell like spending 18 months bulking up and then not being able to move as well as he used to be able to move
3: well and then also apparently broke his ankle while in the movie
4: oh that probably helps explain it yeah.
3: he broke his ankle the funny thing is i think uh Paul Anderson promoted it as yeah, he was doing a stunt and broke his ankle. And apparently the truth is Kurt Russell was on like lunch and like tripped over some ornamental piece of the set. And broke <laughs> his ankle.
2: See he didn't use those carabiners to tie himself down.
3: Exactly. So apparently he took like two weeks off and then came back and then shot all of his scenes where he's laying down after being found and then any scenes with him sitting and then finally moving on to the, like the more action heavy stuff
2: you mean the scene where when yes. he gets you mean the scene where when he gets kicked out of the camp he goes and finds a tube to sit in for like a day and a half <laughs> yeah pretty much
4: just sits still staring at a fire for like it's like it, at least overnight
2: oh that fire had long gone out like there was just a yeah. little bit of smoke coming off of it he was just standing in a tube
3: <laughs> he knew the rain was coming. He was trying to keep himself uh, dry. It's
2: like I don't know what I'm doing. I've never been to this garbage planet before. This tube looks nice.
4: It's like just outside. Like you have to leave our town. He just like literally goes across the street so he can still like look over at them and be like, <laughs> I "Can't believe you guys sent me over here."
2: They're trying to eat breakfast. It's like, why is he still staring at us? <laughs>
3: Like, yeah, those egos look good. I wish I had some Eggos. <laughs> um, so, did either one of you know that this is sort of a cousin film to Blade Runner?
4: I did know that. I didn't actually. I kind of was paying attention, trying to figure out where the exact references to Blade Runner are in this, and I couldn't pick up on them without.
2: I could have read it, but then I just figured you'd tell me. Yeah, Wait, pretty much. Which version of Blade Runner?
3: Well, he wrote it during the production of Blade Runner, so I would assume the theatrical cut um, so he yeah, has the same it's the same writer and uh, uh let's see um apparently, the junkyard you do see the spinners from Blade Runner, just some of the cars or whatever that's flying around. that um, makes sense. And apparently the premise was actually uh, based on an unused opening scene for Blade Runner where a group of replicants are dumped and left for dead in an off-world colony.
4: Oh, that's interesting.
3: Yeah.
4: It's just like I could take a whole movie out of that scene.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently the implication, even though it's never said, is that these new soldiers are supposed to be replicants. I
4: mean, I could buy that. I mean it, it was definitely it was said something to the effect of they were like their DNA was altered or something, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And they like mixed DNA hybrid to make these yeah, something, but they were definitely not human.
3: Yeah, an implication in the film is that the genetically engineered soldiers meant to replace Todd and his fellow soldiers are in fact replicants. Continuing a the theme for Blade Runner. The 2017 short film, 2036 Nexus Dawn, which I don't, have not watched that, set in between the original Blade Runner and its sequel to Blade Runner 2049, implies that Nexus 9 replicants were developed in 2035, which is the same year that
2: this takes place. There you go. I like that his name was Todd. That's such a not badass name. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> they tattoo it on his face. So you're I know. just looking at it the whole time.
2: Like that—that that makes him more badass. It's like, not only is your name Todd, but everybody's gonna know it. <laughs> What'd we you should... do this weekend? I got my ass kicked by Todd. <laughs> we should
4: discuss Kurt Russell's performance a bit, because like we know what we expect from Kurt Russell in a film—he's charismatic and he's boisterous mm-hmm. and funny. So and
3: let's this... strip all that out of there.
4: Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to turn him into a, like an almost like a Terminator-like character. It's hard to do that. That's a very different role than what he normally plays. And I think he does a really good job.
3: Yeah. No, he's amazing. He, uh, to take him and basically strip him back, strip him down to like no personality is probably like the hardest thing in the world.
4: So I was, I was really impressed by his performance. And it's, it's a lot of the subtleties, just the way he looks at people and stuff. He does a good job with it. It's like, oh, well, it's weird that he's not
2: like Jack Burtoning at them kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it would, really a...
2: hard, it would be really hard for him to do. But I mean, being the director would be pretty easy. I mean, here's your nine lines, and also don't blink.
1: <laughs>
4: if you look at that guy, and now look at him again, but this time a little bit of sadness on your face, <laughs> and look at him, never smile. Don't do that. No, nope. we have sadness. We have some confusion once in a while.
2: All right, here's now the scarf. You're feeling rage
4: teach this kid how to kill a snake with a boot. That'd be ideal. (laughs) (laughs) I love that plot point that he's like teaching a kid how to kill a snake with a boot. And then after he's been kicked out of the colony, they invite him back in because the kid successfully kills one of the snakes and they're like, Oh, he did serve a real purpose here. (laughs) (laughs) It's such action movie nonsense, but it's fine. Like it's shorthand for, you know, they, they, made him leave cuz he was different and then they realized he had value because he was teaching them things that they didn't know.
3: Well, wasn't Jeez. that supposed to be like cuz the kid got bit by one of those snakes when he was little?
1: Yeah. yeah so he doesn't, he doesn't talk.
3: He doesn't talk anymore, so thus it's hard to communicate with him. Yeah. And he found a way to communicate with the kid and they're like, "Oh shit. He can talk can to him. Out. We can't.
4: <laughs> We're bad parents." <laughs> Why didn't we beat the snake to death with a boot, so that our kid would be able to communicate with us?
2: It's like anti-PETA. He's like being rewarded for teaching animal cruelty.
3: <laughs> Which apparently those are real poisonous snakes, by the way. Oh, good I mean, times. I don't know why they felt the need to use real poisonous snakes in the movie. Because apparently, if you look, if you look real close, they stitch their mouth shut. You can see like stitches. What? So they wouldn't bite anybody.
2: Well, why wouldn't you just get non poisonous snakes? How many people got, how many of the mouth sewers got bit?
3: I don't know. (laughs) (sighs) Cause even apparently the scene where he like grabs the snake, like it's going to bite the kid and he grabs it. That's like, that's like an overlaid shot because they wouldn't let Kurt Russell actually grab one, even though it's mouth was so shut. He's
4: he's a pretty expensive guy to get poisoned. (laughs) <laughs> He's already got that ankle thing going against him. Yeah. We yeah,
3: lost par-
2: another Kurt.
3: Apparently his paycheck was $20 million for this movie. Really? And the movie made $16 million at the box office.
2: Whoops.
4: I'm kind of, <laughs> I guess it's the era it came out in. If this had come out in 1988 instead of 1998, I think it probably would have done really well.
3: Yeah, probably. Just...
2: Yeah, I see a budget of $60 million, so he got a third of that.
3: Yep. Well, live and learn. Does anybody else see the uh, Kurt Russell references on a bunch of stuff? Like when they pull up his military record?
2: No, no, I uh, missed that.
3: It's apparently Todd's service record displayed on a computer screen includes the following. The, ba- the battles of Tannhauser Gate and the Shoulder of Orion, which is apparently a reference to Blade Runner. Uh, he's the recipient of the Pliskin Patch, which is a reference to Escape from yeah. New York, obviously. Uh, recipient of the O'Neill Ring Award, which is a Stargate reference. Uh, receipt of the Cash Medal of Honor, which is a reference to Tango and Cash. <laughs> uh, recipient of the McCready Cross, which obviously is a reference to The yeah. Thing. Uh, recipient of the Captain Ron Trophy.
2: <laughs>
4: What? <laughs> How did I miss that one? All the yeah. other ones, I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't pick up on that. I just wasn't paying enough
2: attention. <laughs> Captain Ron the trophy. <laughs>
3: uh, was... Recipient of the McCaffrey Fire Award, which is a reference to Backdraft.
2: Uh, Brian, uh, send send back the scarf you got me for Christmas. Get me the Captain Ron trophy instead. <laughs> yeah, right.
3: uh, recipient of the Dexter Riley Award, which apparently references the... Disney movies he made when he was younger. Uh, computer war tennis shoes and all that stuff. Alright. So yeah. They were having fun with with a lot of Kurt Russell movies. Hmm.
4: That is fun. I wish I'd been paying enough attention to read all that. I I read the first couple and it they didn't make sense to me, so I just assumed the rest would just be names of wars that <laughs> haven't happened yet.
2: Right. <laughs>
3: Uh, and then amongst the garbage on the planet The ships that you see are the USS Franklin Delano Roosevelt Which was the big battleship that we see uh, The F-117X Remora from Executive Decision Must be Jesus. either the either the, uh, the fuck was that, the stealth bomber or whatever
2: Yeah, it's gotta be so I think uh, what happened in this movie is you've got a $60 million budget. They spent $20 million paying Kurt Russell. They spent $20 million convincing people to do a whole lot of research on all of Kurt Russell's previous movies. And then spent the last $20 million getting people to sew Snake's mouth shut.
3: Yeah, seems about right.
2: Set aside 15 bucks an hour for chicklist to show up, because... Guy's not working
3: no. for free. Fifteen dollars an hour for checklist? Come on. I don't
4: know what checklist makes per hour.
3: He was the commish by this point. Uh apparently there's also a spinner from Blade Runner and a piece from the Lewis and Clark from Event Horizon. in, in all amongst all the junk. Huh. So. Oh,
4: that's neat. I like it when they do stuff like that. I wish it, if I was more of a fanboy of this film, I'd probably watch and look for all those things.
2: Well, and it's, it's it makes it seem like the kind of movie that, and I kind of thought this after I watched it the first time was like this would be a fun rewatch. Like now that I know what it is, and I know this makes it sound really bad, but like my expectations are a little bit lower. I think I could go in and have a lot of fun with it. And yeah, on a second watch, if you look for those kinds of things or might've noticed them on your own, um, I, I think that that makes for a good, like let it simmer for a couple of years and then go back to it and you'll have a good time with it would be my guess. Yeah. That
4: seems right to me.
3: Yeah. Um, also I don't know if anybody noticed, but, um, when they show Todd at age 11, is his, that when he's uh,
2: doing the puzzles?
3: um i think it's when they're marching and that one kid's too slow so they just shoot him (laughs) uh Uh, because i remember seeing one one of the kids and i'm like that really looks like kurt russell uh his son wyatt who's now kind of a famous actor in his own right was playing him
2: Hmm. yeah i was hoping that scene was going to be longer because that just made me think of the long walk by uh King. Yeah, I thought I had flashbacks to that
4: as well. <laughs> and I really wanted to watch the kid get shot better.
1: <laughs>
4: by kind of putting him behind a tank or whatever the hell it was. Oh. Put him behind the tank, run him over with the tank. You're going to kill him, kill him good. I'm glad to see being
2: a father hasn't changed you, Doug.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no,
3: he just can't say it out loud in front of the kid, that's all.
2: <laughs> I can't
4: have him going to school and be like... What'd your dad tell you in the weekend? Uh, he said if you're going to kill him, kill him good. And then you talk about <laughs> running children over with tanks
2: <laughs> More cars, whatever you have.
3: <laughs> wonder why social services calling me. <laughs> um, so it sounds like we're all three pretty positive on soldier.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, you know, rave about it. I would hesitate to recommend it just cause I think it'd take the right person, but it's, it's it's a fun watch. Like I said, lower your expectations and know what it is, and yeah, it's a good time.
3: I'd say ni- if you if '90s sci fi action movies are your thing, then you should definitely check it out.
2: If '90s sci fi action movies are your thing, you probably already have. But yeah, oh yeah, sure. Yeah,
4: I think we're all kind of on the same page with this movie. Where it's like it's it was pretty good. I enjoyed watching it.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: It's it's hard to say much more than that about it. Yeah. No, basically they yes. they nailed the atmosphere, and you get a good performance from Kurt Russell, and that's yeah. cool. and the action's fun. So there you go.
3: Yeah, it's definitely one of those now that if it's on, I would stop and just see where they're at in the movie, and yeah. just enjoy it. I may not watch the rest of it, but I would at least check in. It's gonna be a lot of fun.
4: At the end, when they're both traveling around on those big like tank things, if it gets to that scene ever again, I'd watch that again. When the guy's like, when Kurt Russell is taking over one and the guy's like, uh, like tank two, you're on a collision course with me. I confirm that.
1: <laughs> he's just...
4: Uh, uh-oh.
2: yeah. And it's definitely the kind of movie where it's like, you know, when it shifts to act three, when he's walking outside, and he's like, well, I know they'll be back. Cause they're soldiers like me. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to kill them all. <laughs> so awesome he,
4: comes <laughs> jumping down that, he jumps out through that window and grabs that one soldier and slits his throat and i'm like
1: yeah
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome man that whole that whole ending there yeah. he shoots that one guy with a rocket launcher at point blank range and it's like at that moment i was thinking schwarzenegger should be playing this role
3: <laughs> it does right in front of that lady too it's like oh remember when you kicked me out of your little shitty town yeah, I just slit this guy's throat. How dare you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good times. Indeed. I was going to mention something. I completely forgot what it was. I don't know. My memory's gone, Scott. That's that's one of the big things you've missed since you oh. haven't been, been on the show much. My memory is just terrible anymore. Hmm.
2: Good thing you're in charge. Yeah. Great. Well. <laughs>
3: Why don't we move on to Event Horizon? Um, Scott, why don't you dust off your your recap skills and give us a uh, rundown of Event Horizon?
2: Sure. Um, so, yeah, Event Horizon is, I don't know, kind of hard to sum up, but basically uh, there's this big spaceship called the Event Horizon that years ago was out flying in space and had gone to the farthest reaches just past Neptune. And um, for some strange reason, it just completely disappeared without a trace. Nobody had any idea where it went. So there's now a new kind of recovery crew that's on a, on a smaller ship that's going to go out and investigate. And they're taking along with them, Sam Neill, who was the scientist that, I don't know, like they kind of said a couple of different things throughout, like either he built the engine on the event horizon or he built the whole thing or he designed it or something. But anyway, he knows a lot about what it is all about. So they're taking him with them because they, they want to know like, well, why did this just dis- disappear and where has it been? And um, cause yeah, it just kind of showed up again out of nowhere uh, with no explanation. So as they're sailing out to Neptune, he kind of explains that the the ship itself has this strange, like magnetic engine core that they built that basically allows them to do sciency stuff and fold uh, space as if it were a pinup picture. And
3: is that the uh, technical term you use at your work? Sciency stuff?
2: I, o- only when like corporate's there. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That's that's when, I, that's when I dust it off and get all fancy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that basically like this creates a black hole on the ship that allows you to travel from one point to another instantaneously. And but where where the ship went when it went through this hole, nobody knows because he should have popped out immediately, and instead it was gone for. I don't know how many years i didn't pay that close of attention to the timeline so 20 i think yeah something like that long enough that people never thought it was coming back so the the ship which is captained by lawrence fishburne um basically goes out to neptune and finds the event horizon and docks it and uh learns that there's a bunch of spooky stuff on the ship now True, so I don't know how do we feel about spoilers on the show anymore do we do we give a fuck at all or just yeah, yeah, yeah we just just go yeah
3: <laughs> okay so since we since we mainly just review like older stuff, spoilers are pretty much uh, a given
2: gotcha uh, okay, so they get on the event horizon and start walking around and they figure out how to turn the power back on um, they all start kind of seeing weird spooky things and Eventually, learn through the black box and such as that that somehow, when it went through the black hole, where it actually went was to hell or proximity thereof, and um, came back. And the ship is now alive or not alive and just haunted. Um, they don't really do much with the ex- actual explanations of what's going on, but long story short everybody has different effects from this uh some people kind of get possessed some people are starting to see dead people some people kind of go a little crazy but ultimately they're all fucked up by this and they realize they're in a bad place and they need to get some get get their old ship repaired and get the hell out
3: agreed yeah was this was this the first time watch for anybody Oh, no,
2: so and but... in fact, this was, I was thinking back to it, this was the first, air quotes, horror movie I ever saw in a theater. Ooh,
3: okay. Uh, <clears throat> I saw i saw it in a theater as well, when it first came out, and uh, me and my cousin went and saw it, and like, we were fine with horror movies, but this freaked both of us the fuck out for some reason when we saw it.
4: Well, yeah, for I saw some it, in the... reason, it. Probably Sam Neill, all fucked up, talking all creepily, <laughs> so much so that he's scaring Lawrence Fishburne. If you scare Lawrence Fishburne,
2: you're gonna scare the audience, and that's all there is to it.
3: <laughs> Larry doesn't scare easy. How dare he?
2: Yeah, there was um, when I saw it. It was at the Dollar Theater there in Bloomington, and it was me and I think two of my friends and one other guy sitting in the theater somewhere. So it was <laughs> packed house. <laughs>
3: I think I saw The Dollar Theater, too.
4: It was definitely not a box office success. It's one of these movies that developed a following once it hit video. And mm. it's another one of these movies where it's like, I don't know how many people have seen it, but everybody I know that's seen it ends up liking it.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, my understanding is it's a popular movie, and I have I've never talked to anybody that didn't like it. And almost every horror fan that I know that's that's seen it, which is a pretty high number, all pretty much love it. So it's kind of got this cult following almost now, even though I don't feel like it made a huge splash right away. Yeah,
4: Yeah, it's one of those weird ones where it's like, um, yeah, I don't know, it's people like it, but nobody wanted to see it if that makes any
1: sense
4: yeah. <laughs> like would i, I do- think i'm pretty sure i ended up like watching it um on video like i don't think i would have seen it in
2: theaters yeah what it does for me is it it's a weird movie where in the back of my head i know that i really like this movie but every time I sit down and watch it, I'm like, I feel like I was supposed to like that more than I just did.
4: I don't have that issue with it. I have the issue no. with it is I always seem to forget about it. And then somebody mentions it to me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that movie that's... It's like the good version of what Hellraiser in space should have been. I'm like, yeah. I should watch that again. And every time I watch it, I'm like, this is so fucking good. I love like I love the movie, quite frankly. Um, you know, 90s CGI aside, which I'm sure we're going to get into. But it's like... <laughs> Yeah, like put that aside, like the makeup effects are cool, the gore is cool, the atmosphere is cool, the performances from the leads are all good. I mean, it's Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne.
2: Well, and you're right, it's got a, I'm glad you mentioned Hellraiser because it's got a very Hellraiser y feel in the sense, and I almost use that in my synopsis because, like, in both cases, they're talking about this spooky, chaotic place that's kind of alluded to as hell but they don't it's not actually hell and it's like in both cases it's like i don't know what what is it actually but kind I mean, the, kind the of... implication
4: in event horizon is that the ship passed through a, a dimension that is just engulfed in perpetual chaos but that's not that's that's what they say. That doesn't really explain it in the traditional use of the word "explain." Like it not you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, he said. Sure. Sam Neill says "pure chaos, pure evil" at one point, and then they they definitely use the word "hell" a couple of times, just like in Hellraiser. But I don't feel like either one of them is truly the biblical hell that you would think of. You know, from I don't know, hell so. things.
4: But I think part yeah. of it, like. In this movie, I think well, a lot of the it, some of the fun is like we don't know what the fuck this is, and that's right. right yeah, that's what's exciting about it. And yeah, I like, think better need, off. Yeah, you don't you don't need a detailed explanation. You just need to know that it's like the ship is now like alive and possessed by some evil. Is basically enough, right?
2: Well, um, and it's it's got a similar Paul Anderson thing. Maybe this is his trope, but like it, a similar thing to Soldier, where In both of these movies, you have a really, really cool set piece. Yeah. And you have a really cool idea. Like, I think in both cases, Soldier and Event Horizon, if you, you know, wrote the script down and said, Hey, what do you think of this? It'd be like, Fuck yeah, this sounds awesome. But somehow he doesn't pull it together quite right. And maybe it's intentional, maybe it's not. But in both cases, I just feel like yeah, there's a lot going on that it doesn't really fully tie together in the way it maybe should, um, but it's neat to look at.
4: Yeah, I can see that argument. But the difference with the Event Horizon, I think, is just that the atmosphere is so solid, and it is genuinely creepy and off-putting, that I think it's like i don't I'm not bothered by the fact that all the plot points don't tie together perfectly and don't pull me in as much. I'm just... Like, you're almost... It's, it's weird because like as like somebody who's been watching horror movies my entire life I don't really get scared when I'm watching a movie but like I know non-horror fans would freak out if they watched this.
2: Well yeah, <laughs> but, and it do, it does a good job of not only not only having a creepy atmosphere once you're on the event horizon cuz you don't know where the ship has been, you don't know what happened to it and since everybody's kind of experiencing it, you know, the haunting part of it differently, That adds an element of fear, but also it it captures that isolation so well because they're literally, you know, way the fuck out by Neptune and it took them, you know, I don't even remember how long they said to actually get out there because, but they had to go into like hibernation to, to do it. But the ship that they used to get out here is now, you know, damaged and has a ruptured hull and is gonna possibly blow up and you know the not enough CO two and or oxygen and all this stuff. So it's like they're not only fighting against an evil ghost ship, but it's like if we don't figure out how <clears throat> how to just repair the old ship, we're never gonna get home. Like that's a terrifying movie in and of itself.
4: Yeah, they really use the
2: the concept of
4: being lost in space uh, very well. Or you're right, like the isolation is isolation is always inherently scary that's what makes monsters scary it's not that they exist it's that you can't get away from them because you're stuck there right and uh i think that's these they do a good job of establishing like look these guys are fucked there's nobody coming right like there's no nobody else is going to be by there's nobody knows where they are or what's happening to them there's no way for them to get out of here unless they can fix the ship and get mobile again before the evil gets them Uh, I think they do a really good job of that agreed because I mean mean, like if they weren't in the middle of nowhere this would just be the Amityville horror right they could just leave and not come back and that would solve the problem and that's (laughs) always problematic
2: yeah but then everybody would call them charlatans yeah. Well, plus the evil would escape into a lamp. We we did a whole thing about this. Oh, <laughs> well, that conversation's coming at the second half. Don't worry, Doug. Uh, uh
3: yeah, I very much see this as a, like a haunted house movie, but yeah. set on a spaceship.
4: Yeah. It, it. But when you say haunted house movie, the the idea of one that is like you know more hellraisery than you know, a Disney haunted house movie or most of the other haunted house oh, movies yeah, that are not. For sure. know, it's, it's very dark. And in, I think that that really works for me. Again, I like that visual of Sam Neill all fucked up and like, you know, preaching his, whatever the fuck he's saying at, at people. And you're just like, Oh my God, like, stop. Like, that's creepy. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> they do a really good job of that. So
2: yeah, he's got like the scars all over him, and his eyes are yeah. gouged out. Like, yeah, he's—it's a good look, and that's the one that sticks with me. Like when I think about this movie, it usually yeah. goes straight to fucked up Sam Neill.
1: I think
3: fucked up Sam Neill is going to be my band's name,
2: <laughs> <laughs> which that's is much cool. different than uh, surprised Sam Neill because he <laughs> also has a scene in this movie which I really wanted to, you know take a screenshot and superimpose it next to the scene from Jurassic Park because him getting out of the Jeep, looking at the Brontosaurus for the first time is the exact same scene as when he sees (laughs) the event horizon for the same time or for the first time. (laughs) I think he even says something like, yeah, it's huge or something. (laughs) (sighs)
4: That's funny. We should talk about the one major flaw in this movie though. Which is CGI?
2: Bad. No. Yeah, CGI was fine. I'll, I'll,
4: I'll forgive Something the CGI because I know that this movie was made in 1997. Right? And it is what it is. You know,
3: Jurassic but, Park was made in 1993. Just saying. I, continue.
4: Look, okay. You, you <laughs> got me. Steven Spielberg's a better filmmaker than Paul W.S. Anderson.
1: What, what, was that? That? What, what? was that, that show? Shocking
4: <laughs> anyways yeah, what were you saying? the flaw in the movie has got to be the, the comic relief guy what and he the black guy? yes
2: uh, the mechanic that's like fixing the
4: yeah and he's just always like screaming and yelling and then he gets kind of locked out in space and has to like fly back in and they just do not know when to turn off his comic behavior there's definitely moments where they're like in the ship and everything's dark and serious and he's then they cut to him flying around outside like i'm coming back to you baby i'm coming back to the ship <laughs> and you're like calm it down a notch at this point that was all yeah. and andy in the first half of the movie when you're flying out there and you know what i mean it was like you have all these different characters on the ship it's like okay that's his thing he's the funny guy but then once you're in the depths of the horror you, you don't want that guy still being funny <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think the, the the two scenes or the two characters that should have died, you know, long before they actually did was was him, because yeah, you're right, pulling off your oxygen hose and being like, you know, somehow using that to propel yourself when I mean they showed how far away they were from the ship. And he's just like, I'm gonna use this trickle stream of oxygen to shoot myself back to a planet and with perfect yeah. aim. It's like, nope, you're dead. Or um
3: you obviously would, haven't seen Gravity
2: when the Lawrence Fishburne is like spider manning his way across that catwalk as he's trying to get back to the the airlock, like the acrobatics that he's able to pull off there in yeah. the middle of outer space. Like, I don't. Well, I, I'll give Larry Fishburne a lot, but I don't know if I go that far.
4: Yeah, again, I think that's your that's where you're seeing Paul W.S. Anderson's filmmaking style, kind of like. Push through a little bit, right? Like that's where he would have loved it. If everybody was doing gymnastics for the whole movie, but he couldn't quite manage that. And you're like, well, good. I don't want any gymnastics in this movie. Like it, what? It, it's, it's, It doesn't suit the movie, and it doesn't suit the character that you're dealing with. Like he shouldn't be doing that. So, just done. On the other hand, it was pretty cool watching that other guy come flying out of the airlock and start to like physically come apart.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed watching that. Yeah, I don't think he would have survived that, personally, but... Well, I'm not here to ask crazy questions
4: like that.
1: (laughs) Again,
4: I just want to... I like watching him suffer. I like that he was all fucked up, and they're just like, uh, put him in one of those cryovats, and we'll deal with this when we get back to Earth.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're you're questioning the... uh... (laughs) The logistics of decompression in space in a movie that's basically Hellraiser in space. Come on, Scott.
2: Oh, no, no questioning at all. I was, I was <laughs>
1: just, just pointing out
2: where we, we could have improved a little bit.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, I mean, I, and I think we're overlooking the, the most important part of this entire discussion is that, you know, Sean Pertwee saved both of these films, I think. Right.
1: Uh, so yeah.
2: Sean Sean Pert we cast <laughs> the Pert cast Pert cast. Actually, if we'd thought of that before, we probably
4: would have dedicated this episode to him and not mentioned the fact that they were both directed by the same guy.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> him and then the other guy—that's the bad guy in the first movie—and the is he a medic in this one? Oh,
2: is that the same guy? Yeah, Jason Isaacs is that. Sounds right. I'll we'll be damned.
3: Yeah, you know, he had his nice little John Waters mustache in the first movie, and then
2: <laughs> he was a creepy fucker.
3: <laughs> which I remembered what I was going to talk about in the last movie, which was Gary Busey. We didn't talk about Gary Busey enough, but moments oh, past.
2: shit. Every day of my life, I say I do not talk about Gary Busey <laughs> enough. <laughs> and you're always right. You're
4: always
1: <laughs> right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you're never wrong about that statement, <laughs> um, I don't know anything else about uh event Horizon?
4: No, I feel like we're not saying enough about it, but it's like how do you how do you describe this movie yeah. what, do you, what do you talk about? It's like yeah, the gore is awesome, the atmosphere is awesome. it's creepy and scary and again if if you're ever in any situation and Larry Fishburne is scared, be scared too that's <laughs> <laughs>
2: just how it is. <laughs>
3: Man, that dude fought Freddy, and he didn't even get mad about
2: it. And Floating Space gooblobs. It's
3: going to be my other band.
2: <laughs> You're welcome.
0: Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at mndriveinpod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling.
3: What did everybody watch since uh, last we talked? Scott, uh, you, should have a, you should have a huge list. Since I was going to say, do I need years? to go
2: back to September 2017? Is that where, where my list starts?
4: I think that's correct, yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, I don't know actually I've got a Huge list of things that I've seen Just over the last week or two so maybe I should go Last in case you guys get tired of it and want to cut Me off
3: No that'll never happen <laughs> uh, Well I've got One thing to talk about All right. I watched a movie called Schizoid yep. Um I was in the mood for a uh, slasher Film Yeah. Um so I just found this on Amazon Prime. Uh, <laughs> so it's fucking. How does Klaus- one
2: spell schizoid?
3: S-C-H-I-Z-O-I-D. Would
2: not have gotten there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Carry <laughs>
3: on. Uh, so this movie has Klaus Kinski. Yep. Craig Wasson from uh, Nightmare 3 and Body Double. And fucking Christopher Lloyd
4: in it. That's um, why it's on the list of movies for us to discuss in detail on a future date. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Did I
3: completely uh, miss that on the list?
4: Yeah, I think so, yeah. Wait, you guys so, have a list now? Yeah. We're, right. very, we're very organized.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: It's because we get somebody to record an intro for each episode, so we have to have a list to provide them. <laughs> So we can we can probably just admit like what happens we got a woman involved so that she would force us to be a little bit more organized.
1: <laughs> I don't <see>. know. If,
3: <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but anyway, it's
4: effectively, it's effectively true.
3: Uh, so this uh, this lady, she's like a advice columnist for this newspaper. She starts getting these threatening letters in the mail, like the old, like, I'm going to cut words out of a magazine and mail them to you. And of course, it's like 1980. So the police are like, look, until he kills you, we can't do anything about it. Um, So basically, uh, her, because she has like this therapy group, because Klaus Kinski is a uh, therapist. And one by one, everybody in this group starts getting killed off. So then it becomes, who is it? Is it the person who's sending the letters? Is it somebody in the group? Is it not?
2: In um, what world is Klaus Kinski a good therapist?
3: Oh, he's terrible in this movie.
2: <laughs> That's uh,
3: like... <laughs> because he's pretty much fucking every woman in this group in this movie. And I think it's because they're like, well, we got Klaus Kinski in this movie, but we didn't give him enough to do. And someone's like, well, what if he just fucks all of them throughout the movie? And they're like, oh, yeah, that'd be a good way to keep him in the movie. Because, like, one of them turns out to be a uh, stripper. And he just randomly shows up backstage at her club. And then they have sex in the dressing room. And I'm oh. like, what did this accomplish for anything? <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's therapy.
3: But but the creepiest moment comes at the beginning when he's at home. And, like, you know, because he does, like, group therapy these people are starting to arrive and he's standing looking out a window and then he turns and looks over his shoulder and there's a woman standing in the bathroom, just wearing her underwear. And then she slowly starts to undress and he's kind of looking at her all weird. And then as she steps away from the door to go get in the shower, he walks up to the door and uh, you can see her from behind starting to get in the shower. And he's like, darling, and she's like, yes, father. And it's like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? Uh, and she's played by the girl from the uh, first uh, Angel movie that we talked about, Doug.
4: Oh, yeah. But she's Angel? Yeah. Okay.
3: So, yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. It's just a fun 1980 slasher that really makes no sense. Sort of follows along with the very Giallo-esque slasher movies I've been watching lately. But it's pretty good. So whenever we get to it on the show.
4: Well, we'll try to put it off for a while so you don't have to rewatch it right away.
3: Eh, maybe we can just do it next week and then uh, i don't have to watch one of the movies.
4: <laughs> oh, isn't Here Scott in is charge picking the movies for next week? Oh, well, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm confused.
3: <laughs> Technically Noah was, but he never got back to me. So now as I'm discussing this, I figure I'm going to have to pick the movies for next week. Oh. so uh but that's all i watched like i guess we finished watching Shits creek and it was hilarious yeah i would recommend it
2: that's one of those shows that my wife was into and was maybe three seasons in before i finally like sitting on the couch playing Gameboy and like every now and then looking up to see what's on the screen. And finally after three seasons, I'm like, okay, this looks funny. And we'd started over from the beginning and yeah, that's good stuff.
3: Uh, the funny thing is that's how everybody came to it. Yeah. We watched like the little Netflix, like, uh, chronicling them shooting the last season sort of documentary. Mm. And, uh, that's what they talked about that. It was sort of like the show was like a secret, like people, people watched it but nobody really talked about it and then like season four or five they started to get a bunch of write-ups and then they're like oh by the way season six it's gonna be our last one and everybody's like but you're more popular now than you've ever been like why are you stopping it now uh, i don't know what'd you watch doug
4: uh a couple things nothing too exciting i watched um sleepaway camp three. Oh yeah Teenage Wasteland, I believe, is the subtitle.
3: Yeah, um, I just watched the special features on the new Screen Factory Blu-ray I just got
4: of that movie,
3: or, or the first the, one.
4: The first one, yeah, okay. The first one's a real movie. Um, <laughs> oh. yeah. I don't have a lot to say about Sleepaway Camp Three. It's uh, the the whole idea is that there's like a camp, and like half the half the kids are like. I don't know, poor kids, I guess, whatever the... disenfranchised youth, whatever you want to call them. And the Garbage
1: people? no, soldier? Not,
4: not quite. Um, and then, basically, the other half are, like, rich kids, and they're supposed to, like, get together and go to camp together. But then, somebody's killing them all. But it's just... It's not very interesting. Some of the kills are okay, but certainly nothing that happens in between the kills is interesting or worth watching. So... I think it's trying to be funny most of the time. But emphasis on the term I think it's trying to be funny. I'm not 100% sure and you're supposed to be 100% sure in my opinion, so.
2: It's one of those where they put in just enough jokes so that if people find it, you know, a hilarious movie they're like, "Yeah, that was intentional." But yeah. Not so much that it's blatant. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I no, think it's... I think
4: it's more they're just trying to be funny all the time and most yeah. of the time it's not funny.
3: I think it follows the, the format of part two because I think I they were shot so. back to back.
4: Yeah, but I didn't watch part two because I don't, I don't really have a good reason for that, but I just <laughs> went straight to three.
3: <laughs> Was this a Tubi recommendation? Yes. Okay.
4: <laughs> Tubi does this to me a lot. <laughs> it's That's what's changed in my life. Scott is that I now watch movies exclusively on what Tubi tells me to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Recommended
3: I, for you. Well, I guess so. Thanks, Tubi.
4: <laughs> you know best. <laughs> I, I log in and there's the fucking all all the streaming services I'm paying for, and then there's Tubi. And then I log into that. And then
2: Hellraiser blocking. Nine again. oh
4: <laughs> I forget what movie it was, but the one movie I watched strictly because um it started automatically by Tubi, and I was like, I don't. I don't know how to get it out of the continue watching section, so I just have to watch the whole thing.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think that was actually, was that Angel, Brian? Do you
1: recall? No, I think
3: it might have been.
4: That was, so that movie keeps coming up. But anyways, yeah, there's not a lot to say about Sleepaway Camp 3. If you, I mean, as far as having a background thing, where every now and again you can look up and there'll be boobs, or every now and again you can look up and there'll be a kill going on, sure, why not? But it's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination.
2: Ouch. Yeah, I never played it, Made it past the first one in that franchise.
4: That's and that's the right thing to do. It's <laughs> it's it's the way to go because it's the only real good movie. And it's it's kind of classic straight to video sequels after that. I think. Oh.
3: Um, well, the only one after that is Return to Sleepaway Camp, which is a direct yeah. sequel to the first one. Yeah.
4: Anyways. <laughs> the other the other thing a Tubi told me I should watch that I just went with. <laughs> It's called a kiss of the tarantula, and it's basically this girl who's friends with spiders.
1: Rose, So
4: uh, <laughs> mean to her, she uses the spiders to kill him.
3: Rose, as you do, yeah.
4: Like that just happens several times. The movie's over. That's <laughs> kind of it. Like, there's oh, there's a creepy uncle that's trying to bang her. Um, but yeah, that's all that just keeps happening. Is like. First, she kills her mom and then there's like a time lapse. And now she's older and she has more spiders.
1: <laughs> well, so... yeah, you got
4: collect collector to go. There's bullies. And so she kills them. Nobody knows how these people are getting killed because the local town, I guess, doesn't do blood tests when someone dies and figure out. No, that it's they can because poison.
2: it's because they don't have William Shatner, the vet, to investigate the spider attacks in the town. That's correct. <laughs> Let's, that's a callback for the old listeners. <laughs>
4: yeah. If they could get William Shatner and uh, John Goodman together, they could really solve this problem quickly, but they don't, <laughs> they don't even try. So anyways, I don't know it's it's one of these movies. it's like from 76, so it's like uh, kind of like a slasher before there were slashers, and they didn't know how to do it yet, so they like just literally have just kill a couple minutes and nothing kill few minutes of nothing kill and it's like all right i can, I can enjoy that, but there's a reason why slashers didn't really take off until the eighties, and it's because they hadn't figured out the formula yet of like making them fun to watch in between the kills so
3: sounds like Willard, but with spiders instead of rats
4: yeah, I haven't seen Willard in so long, so I can't comment, but it sounds, right. but I've ever seen Willard
3: I haven't, but I know what it's about at least.
4: Oh, awesome. maybe thought, I've only I've only seen the remake of Willard, I haven't seen the original, I don't think.
2: Yeah. I thought I had seen it and I thought I knew what it was about, but then when you talk about rats, I think I'm thinking of something completely different. Yeah.
3: Huh. What else did you watch, Doug?
2: Uh yeah, the only other
4: thing remember last week I said I was gonna take a break from Buffy to watch Truth Seekers. Yeah. So I'm about eighteen episodes into season four of Buffy. Um so I've not seen <laughs> any of Truth Seekers. Sure. <laughs> I I don't for some reason I always think I don't like season 4 of Buffy. And then I start watching it and I'm like, "Wait a minute, I really do like this." Like, yeah. I
3: <laughs> season 4 I think has like the best one-off episodes, but the like, overarching story maybe isn't as strong as the previous seasons.
4: Well, it definitely is one of those ones where like the overarching story with the initiative and stuff and it's like you're a TV show. Yeah. You don't have the budget to do military stuff like you can't you i don't know what the budget of the show was i never looked into it but you don't have the money to do good monsters fighting good soldiers and so the yeah. results are that these soldiers are not particularly convincing as soldiers um, but it is fun that there's like you know or stuff going on and there's like the fun episodes like like obviously uh hush which is the one where nobody talks is great and uh i just watched the one the other day forget what it's called Superstar and it's somewhere like Jonathan set does a spell to become oh. like the hero of the world so good and they like they embrace it so much that like if you watch it they actually re-edit the mm. opening credits
3: which apparently they had to fight with, with the network to do
4: yeah because networks don't like them doing that <laughs> like that's not like those are supposed to be standardized that's the whole point of them and they're like no it's part of the performance art that we're doing here and suits are going, no, 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 just just Monster of the Weekend, will you?
3: Yeah, I still uh, still enjoy the season finale of that because I still think it's the best visual representation of dreaming that they've ever put, like, on film. Oh, yeah. Where stuff just makes no sense, but it flows together like it should make sense.
4: Yeah, it's actually pretty accurate. It's also just the balls on them to like have their climax happen like one episode early and then have the entire season finale be all your characters fall asleep and dream at the same time
2: it's like
4: (laughs) yeah I think there's like there's just so much that goes on in that show that I'm always so impressed by like one of the things I found season four I find Willow to be a lot less likable but it's like she is developing like she's developing her magics and all that stuff which is important for future seasons. But she's also developing that weird self-centered attitude where she you know, doesn't want to take care of anybody else and only worries about her own shit, which is a real problem come season six, where she gets really pissed off about things and it's going to destroy the world. And you're like, okay, but it's weird that they're building to that, even though they obviously, like, during season four, they didn't even know there was going to be a season six. They had no idea that that was going to happen, but they're able to play off of it somehow in the future. So it's... always impressed when i watch it so
3: yeah yeah despite the uh i don't know i guess stuff that's come out about joss whedon since all this stuff um when he was announced to do the first avengers movie i was actually like oh he's like absolutely perfect because he is like a master at taking an ensemble and finding a way to make sure that everybody has their big moment their you know, screen time that they need to for the characters and everything and still tell like a good story. So, yeah.
4: And you remember when that first Avengers movie came out and we were like, how are they going to fit four superheroes in one movie? They'll never be <laughs> able to do it. <laughs> Cause that is actually the one thing I, I watched this week without, I, I hadn't mentioned it, but I, just in the background while I was working from home, I, put on endgame yeah and it's you know you're you know i kind of i kind of watched it over a couple of days just playing in the background when i had time to look up and it's like god damn so much goes on
1: and it's just like
4: <laughs> it's hilarious because i like because i do watch it through disney plus too and it when it was over it recommended the first avengers to me and i'm like oh yeah how quaint is that first Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it makes me yeah. laugh every time. So i just like
3: yeah. six superheroes. What?
4: We're all talking about it. Like everybody was like, and "Like, what are they gonna do? <laughs> How can they give screen time to all of them?" And it's like, <laughs> Endgame. There's 864 superheroes all on screen <laughs> at once, and you're just like, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> Look at that. They came up they came up with to play football with a glove. That's how they're gonna give everybody some screen time.
3: Did <laughs> <laughs> so you ever watch Endgame Scott?
2: Hadn't made it that far.
3: Oh you're missing out.
2: Yeah, I do want to. I mean, uh, of all the Marvel cinematic universe, like I'm not a big comic book guy, and there were most of those Marvel heroes weren't ones that I was ever terribly interested in, but I've I, I did a I don't know, I sat down and looked at a list the other day of all the Marvel Cinematic Universes, and I've seen far more of them than I thought I would, like more than half. Um, but as far as the actual Avengers ones, I saw the first Avengers, but I never got to the other three.
3: Yeah, In of... my opinion, you can skip Ultron.
2: Okay.
4: Eh.
3: Doug disagrees, apparently.
4: Well, the thing is, like, if you if you skip Ultron, then the stuff in Civil War won't make it nearly as much sense. And it's like, well, if you do that, then...
3: Yeah, I guess you're
4: right. Like, the the further you get into the MCU, the more, like, it's not going to make sense to you unless you watch them all, which is, I guess, problematic for some people. I think it's fascinating. Like It's like, oh, well, I have to watch fucking Ant-Man just to know... <laughs> well, Ant-Man 2, just in order to be able to appreciate Endgame. And it's like, well, that's weird. Like why would I have to watch Ant Man 2?
3: I would say you do not need to watch Captain Marvel. It's just sort of an introduction to the character, but I mean, yeah, I don't know if she's a uh, big enough part of the two of it, last two Avenger movies to necessitate it. But
4: I, I mean, if you're willing to just accept this character is there and you don't need any backstory, then what she does in. In uh, like in Endgame specifically it's like, well, she just shows up as a hero, saves the day a couple times. it's like yeah. all right, but if you want sounds to like we're
3: sounds like we're really selling Scott in this whole.
4: Although to Mar- be fair, Marvel
3: like, Cinematic Universe.
4: To be fair, though, like I would think if you're not hugely into superhero movies, that uh, Captain Marvel is one that would appeal to you. Like it's fun to watch. It's got all those '90s throwbacks in it it's got in my opinion the best Stanley cameo of all time.
2: This is true. Yeah, none of the ones that I saw was I, you know, against or you know, I enjoyed every one of them. It's just not something that I really ever sought out. And it's kind of like any of those other big endeavors where you've got just at this point so many hours and so much time to to sink into it to get to the to the end of it. It's like I know it's rewarding, so I'm not trying to make it sound like it wouldn't be worth it. It's just hard to take that bite.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. If, yeah, if, if you're not watching from the beginning and then suddenly you're like, wait, there's 20, 23 movies I have to watch to, to understand all this. Yeah. I, I would understand. <laughs> it's kind of a lot to deal with.
2: Yeah. And I think most of the ones that I've seen were on like, while I was over at a family member's house for like Christmas or Thanksgiving or something, it was just on TV. And then next thing you know, everybody sucked in and not talking anymore. And so, but I think like there's (laughs) at least a half a dozen of them have been seen that way. (laughs) No risk of that
4: this year. So it's fine.
1: Yeah, true.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Anything else, Doug? Uh, No, I'd be it. All right, Scott, what do you got?
2: Oh boy. Okay, so um, Doug, you were talking about you've got your Tubi thing that you use to watch movies now. Um, My new addiction has been the uh, Pluto streaming service. Okay. Which is completely free. It does have ads, but and it's it's live, so there's no on demand anything or making a queue. Um, Mostly, what I watch it for is there's a you know entirely dedicated american gladiators channel there used to be an unsolved mysteries <laughs> channel you know so it's it's that kind of high quality stuff um but they do have three do you call it unsolved mysteries
3: not high quality
2: i am saying it's one of the greatest tv shows in the world sir
3: all right i thought i sounded heard some sarcasm in your voice i didn't me and robert stack did not appreciate
2: that no i was i was <laughs> saying there is this level of quality <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there's three channels on there that are just nothing but horror, or I think one they call like thrillers. So it's, you know, the the more family friendly horror, but, um, yeah, basically every now and then I'll just turn that on and just watch whatever happens to be on. It's kind of like the Saturday afternoon horror movie. Um, and coincidentally a week before you guys did it for your uh, podcast, I was, I had the TV on, I was watching something, not really paying attention. Then I heard somebody say something about a haunted street lamp and looked up and I'm like, wait, what? And next thing I know, I'm watching a movie and I saw a scene about a electrical cord, like tried to strangle somebody. And yeah, so I've, I've also seen um, Amityville, the evil escapes. Um, And my big question, knowing that you guys have seen it too, is who's worse, you guys for choosing to watch it or me for not changing the channel?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) Or me, who owns the box set of the last four (laughs) in movies, and this is the first one in it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I'm reasonably confident we got our answer right at the end there.
3: (laughs) I still got three others waiting for me to watch.
2: I mean... N- nothing, nothing really to say about that one. Um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a haunted street lamp. Um, I'm I'm glad you guys already discussed it, so I don't have to. I honestly,
4: <laughs> I remember just super enjoying it because we had already watched all those other Amityville horror movies that are. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, just... I was talking to my wife, and she said, um, or she, she heard me say that, like, yeah, they they did this. Uh, uh, movie for the end of Haunted House Month. She's like, Oh, you would have enjoyed that? I'm like, Yeah, you'd think that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would think so with quality like Amityville movies and house movies.
4: Yeah. Can't get over all the incest in Amityville, too. Like, why? <laughs> why so much?
2: <laughs> um, um,
3: Scott didn't get to enjoy Pizza Ghost, though.
2: And let's see after that, uh, I had a whole bunch of rewatches that are things that I've seen before. I'll blow through it pretty quickly unless you want me to stop and make a comment, but uh, rewatch the Sacrament, which is one of those movies where I never think about it, but every time I sit down and watch it, I'm like, man, I really love this movie, so i, I don't know, it. you hated it,, oh. huh, Doug, did we do that on the show years which ago? One was Sacrament the Kind of found footage, documentary, mockumentary about the, basically the Jonestown cult.
4: Oh, we well might have done it on the show.
2: I feel like we at least talked about it or something, but
4: yeah, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I do remember enjoying it. I only saw it once, probably
2: back when we discussed it, so. Yeah. Um
3: Sometimes I, re- I get annoyed with Ty West. And sometimes I feel like he thinks his movies are a little better than they are. And then... The sacrament. He's like, look at this! Isn't this amazing? And I'm like, this is Jonestown. That's all this literally is. You did not come up with the story. You literally, just did the Jonestown thing.
4: Well, I agree that that's what they did. I just don't see it as as much of a problem as you do.
2: Yeah. Uh, I rewatched the original Hellraiser, which is one of my favorites, and I think has my one of my favorite scenes from any horror movie ever, and that's creepy guy growing out of the attic floor.
3: But is, is, pinhead in a sculpture though?
2: No, he's not in the tower. Um, oh, that well, comes later. Then
3: fuck that
4: movie.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, do
4: any of the Cenobites throw, uh, any form of hard copy
2: music at anyone to kill them? <laughs> no, no, no CDs, no to- telephoto lenses in your head. None of that kind of stuff.
3: Well, uh, then, and- then what are they even doing?
2: <laughs> just chattering sure. their teeth and looking creepy. I'm not really sure why you watch this. It's, it sounds very
1: confusing <laughs> to me.
2: <laughs> uh nothing needs to be said about these, but I rewatched Halloween, rewatched Friday the 13th part 6. Um all good stuff. Um but No uh
3: no biker gang in part 6, right?
2: No, no biker gang. Just uh the the camper why do you bother watching these
4: weird <laughs>
1: movies Scott?
2: you know you know what was funny rewatching part six because you know a lot of them blur together for me but as i'm sitting there watching that it's like six is one of my favorites but after i was done i was like well why is that one of my favorites because it occurred to me that's the one friday the 13th movie where jason's mask is never taken off and there's not a boob in that entire film
3: uh one of the things that I enjoy about part six is there's actual kids at the camp.
4: Yeah.
3: True. There's never children at the camp. That's like, it's the only so movie. weird.
4: I, I don't understand why they put kids at that camp. That's weird to me,
1: <laughs>
4: but I, I think six, I think you, you either like it or hate it because it's a comedy film instead of a horror film.
2: Yeah. They definitely have moved to the point where they, they know that it makes some jokes. Yep.
4: But he also kills the shit out of that camper. Then he stands on top of it raises his arms and <laughs> <Yep>. a, a <laughs> badass motherfucker that he is
2: yep uh,
3: funny thing is I think I'm going to be watching that one this weekend so
2: yeah That's, it holds I'll, up maybe I'll watch it
1: yeah,
2: we have yeah. a
4: Friday we have a Friday 13th coming up here uh, well tomorrow as we're recording this so yeah. we don't even know if this is going out because Friday 13th in 2020 oof well, we have no idea if there's a world to release this to <laughs> next week or not <laughs> <It's>
1: True. <laughs>
2: Uh, also went and rewatched. Um, I don't know, I was kind of on a little bit of a found footage kick, and also just old movies that had scared me the first time I watched them. I rewatched The Ring, um, which I haven't seen probably since it first came out, and have learned that it does not hold up for me at all. Um, it's basically just a really long mystery with one payoff scene. Which was effective the first time you saw it because it was unlike anything you'd ever seen before. But when you know it's coming and you've seen it a dozen times, like the the movie's pretty just boring. I yeah, haven't we'll watched it in a while. Yeah, I worry about that,
4: and that's why I don't kind of revisit some of those. Mhm. All the all the remakes of the old Japanese movies that were happening there for a while. I, I, I'm worried they'd all be like that.
2: Yeah. Cause
4: the, uh, the Japanese films rely so heavily on that atmosphere and that never quite translated to the North American films, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. Some of them did good. And it's like the, the movies are still enjoyable, but like the ring just, when you know the mystery, you know where the scares are coming. There's just, there's nothing really keeping your interest. And the, the same thing happened for the next thing I watched, which was I rewatched paranormal activity for the first time since theater. And, mm-hmm. God, is that boring on a rewatch? <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> well, for some of us, it was boring on an original watch. So
2: Yeah, I remember you did not like it to begin with. I I was a fan the first time I saw it. But yeah, it's another one of those where it just relies so heavily on not knowing what's coming next. And when you do, I, I don't know. I was kind of checked out. Um, surprisingly, though, since it was new surprisingly though I then also watched uh Blair Witch Project again which you would think would be in the exact same camp as those last two I mentioned but somehow this one still works yeah I I don't know if the atmosphere is just done better or I I don't know what makes it different but yeah I could rewatch this over and over again and it's not scary anymore I don't think like but it's I don't know somehow it still works
4: I think the thing with Blair Witch is, I think because of the way it was made, and it's a lightning and bottle scenario, I don't think you could ever recreate it. Right. But it just feels so real. Right. And so, like, the, all, all that's going on there, you really feel like these people are really going through it, because in some ways they kind of were. And it's just, you get sucked right in. And so, even if, like, you say, it's not scary the way it was the first time you mm. watched it, it's still. It, it, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's really engaging. Like, you're really a like, mm-hmm. feel for the characters.
2: Right. Yeah. So. And it, you, you, I've heard criticism of the acting, but I still think like it's well acted for. It, I don't know. It's believable for three kids who aren't actors stuck in yeah. the woods. Yeah. And, yeah.
3: and I think it helps that, from what I've heard, there was not a lot of. um wasn't much of a script. Like, they were given coordinates they had to get to. Like, every day Hmm. and each each person was kind of given a scenario like hey you threw the map away or you know ask so and so about the map and you know basically gave them instructions to come into conflict and then they just kind of came up with what they were going to do
2: that's that's interesting i knew the directors kind of fucked with them throughout the film like yeah you know most of the noises and things at night like that they had no idea what to Expect. Um, some freaky as shit that first night when the directors started like banging on the tents and stuff. Um so yeah, that's all the you know rewatch stuff that everybody's seen. Um then I got into some I, I don't know where I was going with this, but first Serbian thing i film? <laughs> no, I've still never <laughs> no. taken that dive.
1: Yeah, um
2: no, I watched a documentary. Um I was actually looking for another documentary streaming, couldn't find it, found this instead. Um, Have you ever heard of the documentary Wrinkles the Clown?
4: I have heard of it. I have not seen it.
2: Okay, can I spoil a documentary? (laughs) Go for it.
4: Yes.
2: So this came out in 2019. Have have either of you even heard of this Wrinkles the Clown case or person or story? It was in the news south florida thing yeah. um, what'd you say doug
4: i said yeah obviously florida yeah, and I was
2: just... <laughs> <laughs> um, no so apparently what what ha- the, the real story of this was that there was this guy who would dress up like this clown called himself wrinkles the clown he's got this super creepy like clown mask on but there it, it all started with this viral video where there's um like a closed circuit security camera in this little kid's bedroom. And she's got one of those like, you know, trundle beds that has the drawer underneath the bed. And basically in the middle of the night, the girl's sleeping and the, the drawer just kind of opens itself. And this clown gets out from or crawls out from the under the bed, looks at the girl and then just walks out of the room. And you know super super disturbing video but it became viral went all over the internet next thing you know there's like all these sightings of wrinkles the clown showing up all over town uh, on social media that sort of thing um and they even started there were these uh little bumper stickers that were showing up on like the side of payphones and buildings that was a picture of wrinkles and a phone number and the the idea was parents could call this number and set up an arrangement where wrinkles would come to the, your house and scare your kids if they were like misbehaving or were just being little shits and this guy was supposedly doing this as I don't know a hobby was dressing up like a count clown and terrorizing kids so The documentary is kind of following this story and interviewing like they had the guy who played Wrinkles or who was doing this whole Wrinkles thing. And like they never show his face, but they're just interviewing him for the whole thing, you know, getting his perspective on why this happened and outlining or lying out like the whole story of this fucked up scenario. And what pissed me off about the whole thing is like at the end of the documentary, they pull this switch on you. And say, oh, by the way, this is all fake. Like, the guy that we've been interviewing this whole time, like, yeah, that's not really him. That's a, that's an actor. Like, we just got him to play Wrinkles for this documentary. And so then they go interview the real Wrinkles, who never shows his face. And he's the story he tells is basically like, yeah, me and my friends staged that first viral video. And then it became really popular, so... We made a couple other videos of me just standing around town, but like that's all this ever was. And like, that's fine if that was the story that they had told from the beginning and then went into all of the hysteria and news media and everything that, you know, came from that. But to spend an hour and a half of this or, you know, an hour of this documentary making you think that all of this was completely real was just completely cheap and bullshit yeah, that,
4: that's frustrating
2: yeah like
4: especially if it's a documentary like it's different if it were some other type of
2: storytelling but right right like if it were a you know found footage thing or you know trying to be a film that that'd be one thing but don't do a documentary where you're completely misleading the the audience up until the very end and then like oh yeah by the way we made all of that up like the reality is nothing actually happened it's like you the documentary people trolled us like (laughs) it just pissed me off because I definitely wouldn't have watched the whole thing had I known it was just like oh some teenager made a viral video and everybody watched it and a bunch of kids got scared of it like I would have been like okay interesting story I'm out
4: yeah I'd be pretty upset if that happened to me yeah they stole my time
3: that's a bummer
2: so anyway, I was
4: hoping there was going to be some really interesting story about the clown because I'm like maybe I'll want to watch that.
2: It was if you stop after an hour, like, and it's not true, but it's super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, or just research like the actual fallout from this because there were plenty of like imitation clowns and other people that were like copycatting. Like so, it it became this huge thing, and they went into like how it's like among kids, the cool thing to do is like when we were kids, we'd do like the, you know, bloody Mary in the bathroom or, you know, candy man kind of thing. It's like, now it's you dare your friends to call wrinkles, the clown and see if he'll actually answer, you know, because he does have the phone number and he would answer it. It's just, he wouldn't actually ever go to your house. But so there's interesting things in that regard, but yeah, they documentary people fucking trolled me oh well at least it happened to you and not me so that's good news (laughs) there is that (laughs) uh next thing i watched uh doug i know you talked about this a couple of episodes ago um i was just basically the whole reason i'm on this episode is to come on here and just agree with you for once um but you watched scary stories to tell in the dark um okay I watched it for the first time a couple weeks ago and completely agree with what you said, that it's just kind of a, there's not much to it, but it's a fun little Halloween time movie. Yeah. Like, I grew up, I grew up on those books and I remember buying them from the book fair in like second grade. And I think they're the reason I'm a horror fan. Um, The movie was fine, but I don't know. It's kind of like trick or treat light. Or if you want an anthology horror Halloween movie,
3: yeah. Yeah, I just don't know why it wasn't like an actual anthology.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah,
4: yeah. It's because I don't. I don't understand why things that should be anthologies aren't, and things that they, like it. It's like they don't want to spend the money on it if to make an anthology. They assume it won't do well.
1: Yeah.
4: Which maybe it wouldn't. Maybe people don't go to theaters to see anthologies, but. It'd be neat to see it picked up as, like, an HBO show or a Netflix show and have them just tell each story each week.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Some, like, Crypt Keeper type, type of Yeah.
1: Notes.
2: Yeah, and a lot of those stories are really short. So if you did it as an anthology, you'd be able to fit a whole bunch of them into, you know, a feature-length film. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, I'd be on board just for the visuals, if nothing else.
3: Yeah. Sounds like they're working on a uh, sequel, <clears throat> and the director has said they're they're definitely planning on doing more uh, direct adaptations of the visuals from the book. Mm, that's good. So, I'm yeah, at least they
2: one hundred percent set that up for a sequel. Yeah. Uh, what else did I watch? Oh, then I watched uh, another movie that you know. I haven't I've yet to get around to seeing, but from the uh, thirties, the old dark house, the old universal one. I actually haven't seen that one. It's on my list. I
3: haven't seen it either.
2: I was blown away by it. Like I love the universal movies and like, but most of it comes from like, I respect the movies and appreciate them, but I can't say that any of them truly suck me in just because the, the, the pacing, you know, and and everything is what it is, like being almost a hundred years old at this point. Um, but the old dark house was the first movie from that era I've watched that I would say like it. It feels much more modern than that. Like it's, I wouldn't say it's got the same pacing and tone of you know a 2020 film, but it definitely didn't feel like a 30s film. Like I, it was more kind of Twilight Zone. Era filmmaking, and I don't know, it just had a better atmosphere, a better tone, a better pace. I just, I, I really enjoyed it. So, I won't spoil it for you guys if you haven't seen it, but I would say it's worth it. Okay, it's
4: yeah, I'll I'll get to that one soon, maybe, but uh, I, I've wanted to see it for a while, and just for whatever reason, haven't gotten around to it.
3: Tubi hasn't told you to watch it yet.
4: Right. Yeah, no, that's what's happened. It's <laughs> There's so much content now that it's like you're never going to get through it all. So the list just keeps getting longer and longer instead of shorter and shorter.
3: I just love that you, ha- you need a service to tell you what to watch and you're just like, okay.
4: <laughs> it's because I don't. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit there and flip through all these services
2: forever. Yeah, I yeah, do it, that a lot. Yeah, uh, I saw From Beyond for the first time.
3: Oh yeah, sexy time at, at the Smith House. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Made me pull out my old uh, Lovecraft anthology book, but
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> and find out how it's definitely not as sexy as the
2: movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the five-page story turned into a feature-length film.
3: <laughs> like Barbara Crampton's not half naked in this book. This is bullshit. <laughs>
2: Nobody's naked in this book. <laughs> um Yeah, it's eighties campiness, it's you know, fun to watch. Nothing too special, but it it definitely felt right right in place as, you know, good eighties cheesy gore fest. So
3: <laughs> Jeffrey Films and- with a weird Gland coming out of the middle of his forehead. <laughs>
2: yeah, the forehead phalluses and the uh, floating ghost eels. What more do you want?
3: Yeah, uh, if yeah, that has enticed the listeners yet. <laughs>
2: uh, and then Brian, just so that you don't feel like I only came on to uh, agree with Doug, I I have one to Jeez. agree with you too. Okay.
0: Uh,
2: I just finished watching The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh
3: uh, yeah,
2: which. Really enjoyed and completely echo what you had to say, which was it was just a little bit too long mm-hmm. um I think the the story was good and but like there was one episode that was all about the housekeeper that I feel like could have been told in about ten minutes, not a whole episode mm-hmm. um and I really liked the kind of Victorian flashback episode toward the end, but there again didn't need to be full episode length yeah
3: yeah and that's a bummer because i uh i really like hill house i'm a big mike flanagan fan so
2: see i'm doing it i'm doing it in reverse order we're watching hill house now oh okay so
3: um yeah do you know do you know to keep keep a lookout for hidden ghosts throughout hill house
2: uh no i didn't We're four episodes in. Oh, we already missed
3: some. You're going to have to go back and rewatch it.
2: Huh? Interesting. Okay.
3: Yeah. Just keep an eye on the background and weird places. You'll just see ghosts in the background that really have nothing to do with anything, but the house is just that haunted that there's just ghosts lurking around.
2: Yeah. And they really haven't been, they haven't spent much time at the old house yet cuz it's like so far every episode's kind of been about one of the kids and what they are now doing yeah. as an adult but yeah
3: just wait till episode 6 it's the uh it's the episode that everybody's always amazed with so
2: mm. okay yeah we're digging it um and then the last few movies i found like i decided that okay we're in the middle of a pandemic and there seems to be well i can't go to the theater there seems to be nothing new coming out, so I kind of wondered if there was actually any new movies being made this year at all. So I kind of just did a search for like what the best horror movies of 2020 were. Yeah. Um, I came up with four I, that I watched. I would agree with half of them, and I would very much disagree with the other two.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Um, first one I watched it was a the the highest rated one of these that I could find was called host. Which oh, yeah. uh yeah, this not the made, old
3: this was made during the pandemic,
2: yeah. 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 Yeah, and it shows, which I thought might be kind of a cool idea. It's it's paranormal activity meets unfriended meets COVID nineteen. Like there's this group of kids decide they're gonna do have a seance um basically over Zoom. Um that's a super terrible idea apparently and they all kind of get haunted paranormal activity style but you see it all through webcams so i don't know it's it's pretty predictable if you're a diehard paranormal activity fan and want to just see more scenes of spooky things that happen on stationary cameras then go for it but a lot of jump scares, some cool tension, but pretty forgettable once it was done. That's a bummer. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I've never, I hadn't pulled the trigger on that yet.
2: It's it, There, There's a couple scenes that I think were cool. Um, I just don't know if it was quite enough to save the whole movie um, because, yeah, there were, for every cool scene that the, there was then a jump scare, which just pissed me off. So maybe if jump scares don't bother you, go for it. Yeah. Uh, next one I meant or watched, I'll go real quick just because I know you talked about it on the show already. But, um, I also saw Relic,
3: yeah,
2: you were talking about that. Um, yeah, really good atmosphere, but I think they were just trying to do way too many things. Um, it like suffered from the same thing that like session nine or poltergeist or the shining syndrome where you've got a whole bunch of different ideas and like everybody is experiencing this haunting in a different way but none of them really come together or make sense in the same setting mm-hmm. so you've got you know grandma with dementia and you've got also grandma being haunted and then you've got weird house with extra dimensions and then you've got cabin in the woods which is never explained and i don't know there's just too many things happening all of which were cool ideas and all of which took place in this really neat atmosphere. But at the end, I was just kind of like, well, which, which one was it? <laughs> like, <what's... laughs>
1: yeah.
3: Lots going on.
2: Yeah. So may- maybe a little bit tighter or if there would have been like a, I don't know, director's cut that had extra scenes that would make it make sense. I don't, I don't know, but something, mm-hmm. something didn't quite work.
3: Yeah. I'm with you.
2: Uh, the last two, I would say were the actual ones that were highlights. Um, one I watched was, I want to say it was a shutter exclusive. Oh no, I'm sorry. This one's on Netflix. So it's streaming, um, titled one BR or one bedroom.
3: Oh yeah.
2: You heard of this or seen it?
3: Yep. I talked about it about a month ago, I think.
2: Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. I won't go into it then if people have already heard it, but, uh, yeah, I was No, go ahead
3: cuz it sounds like you're pretty positive on it and I don't think I was uh, super positive.
2: So. I I liked it. I th- I think I I really had no idea what to expect, but it kind of takes a couple of twists and it it didn't do anything too terribly imaginative. Um girl's looking for an apartment in you know, a city that she just moved to she moves into this apartment complex where everybody's kind of weird and creepy, has some sort of some secret. Turns out that she's, you know, basically like she gets all these threatening letters from other tenants. And I don't know, it's just weird. And then about a third of the way through the movie, it takes a a twist, which I won't say is a spoiler because it's just the bulk of the movie. But basically the entire apartment complex is a cult. And, uh, she kind of gets indoctrinated in and I was a little afraid it was going to go kind of torture porny, but it didn't. Um, there's definitely some gore there, but it was not over the top. And then, yeah, it, it all kind of goes somewhat predictable from that point, but it had a really nice, like kind of twilight zone end to it, which didn't blow me away, but I thought it was, was a fun end. So I don't know for having no expectations. I, I walked away pretty positive on it.
3: Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking it was going to be, but it, just what it ended up being, I was not, um, super into. So yeah.
2: D- Doug, you're quiet over there. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. Brian recommended it to me, but he
4: said that he figured either I'd like it and he'd be glad that he recommended it to me or I'd hate it. And he'd think it was funny. <laughs> so I, I'm like,
2: well, that's not enough.
3: Oh Scott liked it, so so now you gotta take his recommendation to watch it.
2: Doug's never yeah. taken my recommendation, Brian. <laughs> I made him watch ghoulies go to college. He's never gonna listen to anything I say ever again. <laughs> that's accurate.
3: <laughs> oh, I think Noah's made him watch much worse.
2: <laughs> uh yeah. Okay, and then the last thing I saw, which I, I I don't know if you guys have talked about this on the show or not yet. I kind of did a search. I hadn't heard it yet, but um, I bit the bullet and gave the uh, Child's Play remake a chance.
4: Oh. Okay, I've seen it, yeah, and I, I'm sure I mentioned it on the show.
3: Still haven't watched it. Haven't you? Yeah. Eh, not interested.
2: You know, I wasn't sure how I would be because I'm a big 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 fan of the original series and i i kind of wanted to go in blind and a lot of these remakes i don't know i mean they're they're hit or miss like i thought the friday the 13th remake was a was a good one it you know reinvented some things but still kind of stuck true to the formula which it's hard to deviate from that Mm
1: -hmm.
2: nightmare on elm street i didn't really walk away too positive on so i figured What'd you say?
3: It's a that one's yeah. terrible.
2: Yeah. Um, so this one I wasn't sure where I would fall. And I, I think the the best thing that I can say without rehashing the synopsis, if you guys talked about it, is that if you're going to do a remake, this is kind of one of the best examples of how to do it because they modernized it and made it relevant to today by replacing, you know, a voodoo ceremony, which is kind of hard to relate to, I would think. Um, so basically making the, the good guy doll or the, the buddy doll, as they call it now, it's made by this company that uh, basically makes all of those like smart home devices, like your smart thermostats, self-driving cars, all of that kind of stuff. So, and and the buddy doll can, kind of be the central hub like your you know siri that can control everything so you can tell it to watch tv with you and it'll turn on your tv which is very relevant because i don't know i've been creeped out by my alexas and other random things that are sitting around my houses listening to me and can (laughs) control my life if they really wanted to um i figure skynet's actually making all of that stuff and they just don't want to tell us but it's called amazon (laughs) so you know that fear i think is somewhat real or you know tangible in today's society and to think oh your kid could bring home a toy that is linked to all of these things and can control your thermostat and your car and your security system and what happens when the guy making the doll decides like Oh, I just got fired? Yep, I'm going to take off all of the security systems on this doll and ship it out anyway. Like it's, it, it works, and it, it, it modernized it and made it relevant. Um, it also did a really good job of like explaining how Chucky became kind of evil and a sociopath. Like I love the scene where they're, the kids are sitting around watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, And they're all just like laughing and cracking up and, you know, having a great time watching Leatherface chop this guy up. So Chucky sees that, sees these kids laughing. So he goes and grabs a knife and starts stabbing things. Like it makes perfect sense. (laughs) Like, and. Sure, why not? While at the same time is making a commentary about the fact that it's like, yeah, we know that those old movies are probably not scaring, you know, the kids that are going to horror movies today. So. They're probably laughing at Leatherface just just like these kids are. So let's give them something more modern, which I don't know. I, th- I thought that was kind of a a clever way um, to do it. But d- despite all the positive things I would say about doing the remake, it's lacking one very important thing, and that is there is no Brad Dourif, which also means there's no just moments of chucking out and just watching him get so frustrated and Fucking screaming! <laughs> I mean, without that, it's just not child's play to me.
3: I feel like that's a negative for most movies. No, no Brad no Dourif yeah.
2: yeah,
4: yeah. I think when I watched it, I thought, yeah, it's like it was super fun. It just wasn't a child's play movie because it wasn't Brad Dourif and it wasn't was even a good guy doll and stuff like that. But it was still a fun movie, just about a frustrated guy and a factory worker who switched the doll from good to evil, just like the Simpsons thing. <laughs> That's good. Said, just like on the much, Simpsons. Yeah.
3: Uh, here's the problem. You got this set to evil. Yeah.
4: So but it was fun though. The only thing I think I didn't like was really towards the end when there's like the big, all the toys in the toy store having the big battle. And yeah. Like, yeah. It's a little much.
2: Yeah. Cause that didn't really make sense how, like I understand Chucky could, I guess, tether to all of your at-home devices that are on your same Wi-Fi, but for him to be able to wirelessly reprogram all the other toys and turn those to evil—that's like, uh, that's, that's yeah. a little bit much just to have some really cool, you know, stuffed teddy bear fight. But
4: yeah, well, and I think it was had to do with the fact that I didn't think the fight was that fun either. So I think if it well, had been right, that more right. fun, I probably would have just been fine yeah whatever Mm -hmm. because i I liked i loved mark hamill's performance as the voice of chucky i I dug most of the movie just again not a child's play movie just as its own standalone thing
2: yeah i didn't realize that was mark hamill till i watched the credits at the end oh
4: really yeah that's why i saw it it was literally i was (laughs) like i don't know if i want to see that or not and then they're like mark hamill and i'm like ah fuck all right (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it it was enjoyable. I liked it. Uh, probably watch it again, but I mean, it was also one of those where if if this tells you anything about how good the remake was, as soon as it was done, it's like I liked that. I can't wait to go watch Bride of Chucky.
3: At least could have said one of the newer
2: ones. Uh, I've s- I still need to see one of the two. Which is the one with the girl in the wheelchair. Both That's... of them? Oh, is that both of them? Okay, then I've seen the first of the two. I think is that okay?
4: The one where they're in the house the whole movie?
2: Yeah, I've seen that yeah, one. Yeah. I haven't seen the one after that. Colt, should... I think, is the one I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, you
4: should see that one, too. It's worth it if you're a fan of the series.
2: Yeah, it's on my to-do list. I just haven't got there yet. I mean, Bride still sits up there as one of my all-time favorites. I...
3: See, I wasn't a fan of the when they went the Bride and Seed route.
2: Seed is a pretty weak film, but, I mean, Bride makes me smile pretty much the entire film.
4: (laughs) It's just, it is a real departure from the first three films in the series, and like they all kind of have that same atmosphere going for them, and then it just changes to, like, more hardcore comedy.
2: But I do like Bride as well. Yeah. I think they knew what they were doing, and I think it makes it even more fun when Chucky's, even that much more frustrated that, you know, now he's not only trying to be scary, he's also trying to be funny, but it's all still coming out of the mouth of this doll, but more importantly, it's this deranged psychopath who's f- so goddamn frustrated that he's trapped in the body of a doll. like it's just, That's what makes the series. It's funny. When you say well, it out
4: loud like that, it almost sounds ridiculous. I know. <laughs>
3: There's a TV series coming supposedly next year, so mm.
2: get Based ready. On the old or the new remake? The
3: old, the old, mm. and it's Don Mancini. So I mean, it's the guy that's been basically in charge of them since part two.
2: Yeah, would be interesting.
3: Uh, anything else?
2: Uh, other than that, I've just been spending all my time playing the Friday the Thirteenth uh, Switch game that I picked up for fifteen bucks. Used it. Mega replay.
3: What do you think so far?
2: Oh, it's a blast. (laughs) I suck at it because, you know, I'm new. But um, yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. There's a lot of little, like, nuances to get used to, like the, the powers or senses that Jason has or how to fix the cars and things as a counselor. Like, mostly I just run around, and if I can manage to kill a counselor or survive for five minutes as a counselor then i f- i feel like i did a good job
1: <laughs> here's a brief
2: glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future all
3: right well next week uh doug did you hear that uh a lot of sororities and fraternities uh organized all their members to go vote and everything in this last uh u.s election i did not
4: hear that and i don't oh. appreciate you using the election as a Segue into your description of what we're going to watch next week. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, some would say this last election was a massacre. Oh, God. <laughs> so <laughs> Jesus, we're going to watch uh, Sorority House Massacre and House on Sorority Row. Some good go. old slashers back in.
4: Yeah, we haven't done slashers in a long time, so. Oh, well, see, I mean, last week, if you count that. But, you know,
1: besides
3: that. <laughs> uh, see? See how my segue worked in? Yeah. Perfect. It was near perfect.
2: Oh, I knew where you were going with it the whole time, because I'm the <laughs> one that put those movies on the
1: list. But.
2: <laughs> and also, last week was a whole week ago, Doug, which in 2020 time is like, you know, six months. So I'm you're not expected me. to remember that.
3: Yeah, Doug. Yeah.
2: You're acting like he's
4: attacking me, Brian, but he's actually helping me. <laughs> <Sure>. Shut up.
3: Shut <laughs> up. Where's Noah at? I need I need Noah here to deflect Doug's rage against.
4: <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll be pissed off at Noah by next week. It'll be fine.
3: You're still pissed at him now.
4: Yeah, well, I'm mildly frustrated. <laughs> makes me happy
2: when he's not here. <laughs>
3: Uh, Is there anything fun going on Scott Even though you've been Quarantined because of You know some worldwide pandemic We're all going through
2: No nothing uh, Nothing fun at all Um, Bullshit I go to work I come home I uh, Eat dinner And I don't know Either watch TV or watch a movie
3: you try being unemployed. It's awesome. <laughs> you just wake up and you do all that shit, and then you take a nap. <laughs> and then you do some more of that shit, and then you, <laughs> then you do
1: it again. <laughs>
4: yeah, it's great. I could go for some unemployment in my life. I'm not gonna lie to you.
3: Oh, you wouldn't want to spend that much time with Lando, though.
2: I would love to spend that much time with Lando, and you know that.
3: Oh, you're an adorable father.
2: It's my favorite thing in the world. Can I, can I say that my favorite thing in the world is that? everybody is still calling him Lando like just so <laughs> nonchalantly like after a casual comment three years ago <laughs> well we named him we're gonna name our kid after a character in Star Wars you're gonna name him Lando and it stuck
4: <laughs> I've called him Lando to his face a couple of times and he gives me the dumbest looks
3: he's <laughs> like what are you talking
2: about your friends are de- dumb, Dad. <laughs> uh,
3: nice. I'm sure we'll end somewhere in there. There. Well, thanks for sitting in with us, Scott. Yeah. We much appreciated the reunion.
2: Good times. Yeah. We I, got we just, I got nothing else no to one. go on.
4: If we get Noah to go on a lot more honeymoons, you can come back once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.
0: And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.